So this morning we're continuing our series, uh, looking at revival culture. Uh, we are really believing um, about moving into a season of revival on the back of kind of prophetic words over us as a church, looking to respond to that. And, and we want revival to be more than just a quick passing season. I've been in church a long time, seen a lot of great things, seen a lot of things that have been really great for a moment and then kind of moved on and died away and gone away again. And that's great, but actually we, we want more than that. We, we want to see a sustained season. We want to see something that's so embedded in our culture, so embedded in who we are, that it isn't just a flash in the pan or something like that, but it's, it's something that's here to stay. It's something, this becomes the new normal. This becomes how we live. This becomes what we do. And, and so we're kind of just looking to unpack that a little bit in different ways. Um, revival brings us into a fresh and real revelation of the almighty God and his great purposes on the earth. And as we encounter his glory and his power, it transforms us and transforms everything around us. In the end, we're called to be a people of transformation. We're called to be a people who bring life. We're called to be a people who make a difference in the world that we live in, not just through good works and stuff, but because we carry the very presence of a real mighty God with us who changes everything. If we're not about that, I don't know what we are about. We're about being a people of the presence of God. And so with that in mind, before we get into this, um, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to ask God to help us this morning as we open the Word. And so Holy Spirit, we just, we just welcome you. Thank you for all the different ways you've spoken to us and been here as we've worshipped and people have brought different words and encouragements and things like that. But as we open up your Word this morning, we ask again, Holy Spirit, would you help us? Would you open our ears? Would you open our minds? Would you open our hearts to you and to all that you want to say to us? Would you speak to us and would you make us more like Jesus? And would you have your way and let our passion be one of obedience to you? Our, our hearts cry wants to be, Jesus, let us encounter you this morning. We don't want to just come to church and leave church and that was nice and be gone. We want to say, Jesus, come and take hold of our lives in any way that you please and have your way with it. And so we just submit ourselves to you and say, put us on the front foot to hear what you would say to us today. Amen. Uh, okay, so in this series, we are taking some time to see how we should expect different areas to grow and be established in the midst of revival. And this morning we're going to take a few moments to ask the Holy Spirit to awaken within us a love for the Word of God, a love for the Bible. Uh, and so it's not going to be a terribly complicated sermon. This is pretty straightforward. But we are going to use plenty of the Bible, and uh, we're not using, obviously, the big screen. So the words would appear on the screen. Um, but most of you probably won't be able to read them from where you are. And so if you have a Bible, whether physical or on your phone, I'm going to encourage you to turn to passages this morning and um, look at them for yourselves. And our first passage is going to be Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. And many of these passages today will be well known to you. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 says this, For the word of God is alive and powerful. 
It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. For the word of God is alive and powerful. Just have to start just by hanging on to that. For the word of God, the Bible, is alive and is powerful. It's not a book. It's not just words on a page. It is alive and it is powerful. In the midst of looking to respond to the prophetic word of God that we received about revival, it's massively important that we not just hold on to the Bible, but that we increasingly grow in our love and our passion for it. See, too often, I maybe I think I approach this because I'm a Christian and think, well, I have to read the Bible. Okay, I'm a Christian and as a good Christian, good Christians have to read the Bible. That's what good Christians do. And so we approach it and think, well, we have to read the Bible as though it's some sort of chore, as though it's some sort of duty that we have to do. Think, well, I have to do this, so I'll be very good about it and diligent. I have to do this. Rather than approaching it and thinking, man, I, I love to read the Word of God to me. I love to read the Word of God. And it's two very different things. One is very dutiful, and that's not wrong. I have to do it. It's what good Christians do. But another comes with a love and a passion that just says, I just love to see what he's going to say to me. I just love to open up his words and let it instruct me and let it guide me and let it shape me and let it change me. And I worry, and this makes me sound old, but I worry how much of a love for the Bible we have in this generation when so much is available to us. So I, I um, just looked on Amazon.co.uk. Uh, I'm reliably informed other sellers are available. But um, I, I looked and I just looked under books. And I looked under the subject Christianity. And it said that there are 60,000 books that you can purchase about Christianity on Amazon.co.uk. UK and, and I'm sure some of them are great and I'm sure some of them are rubbish but there is no end of availability for you if you want to read a book about Christianity. Uh, we have unlimited access to sermons and articles online like never before all around the world. You can find preachers, you can listen to sermons, you can watch sermons, you can read articles from all across the globe. And that's a real tool. That's a real gift. These things aren't, aren't inherently bad. But I question how much of that in the end is taking the place of us sitting down with the Holy Spirit and opening our Bibles. I mean, I love it when people recommend books to me. I mean, everyone's got their books they're reading. They recommend this Christian book. You should read this Christian book. This book's amazing. It's changed my life, etc., etc. They're a real gift to us as a church. But if they're ever taking the place of this, then something's gone wrong. If watching my favourite preacher online is taking the place of this, then something's gone wrong. Now, you all know my favourite preacher in the whole world is Matt Chandler. He's awesome in many, many ways. 
But a few years ago, I realised that really I needed to stop listening to his sermons week in, week out. Because I was just listening to his sermons, and because I like Matt Chandler, I just was thinking anything that Matt Chandler says is right on. I don't need to weigh it, I don't need to think about it, because it's Matt. And Matt's amazing. Matt wouldn't say something that I disagree with, Matt's great. And so I just would listen to it undiscerningly. And then one day he said something about the Holy Spirit, and I just suddenly thought, what did he just say? And so I kind of went back and listened to it again and thought, I don't think that I agree with that. And the shock within me that, that Matt and I might disagree about something was, was just hard for me to take. But I, I, it, it was like a light went on for me and thought, my goodness, am I getting my truth purely from listening to somebody else preach and not going to the word of God? And we don't want to be in that place with all the great resources that are available. We don't want to be that place. We don't want to be that people. This is God's words to us. We don't just want to rely on what other people tell us it says. We go to it for ourselves. <coughs> Martin Luther, um, famous reformist in church history, said this, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me. It has feet. It runs after me. It has hands. And it lays hold of me. The Bible is alive, it speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it lays hold of me. You know, as we were singing songs earlier today, we, I think Judith mentioned something about it, there was the line in uh, that amazing grace, like a flood, his mercy reigns. And I just was thinking about a flood and how it's something that just keeps on coming and, and keeps on coming and keeps on coming and how his mercy isn't just a one-off event to us, but it's a, it keeps pursuing us and keeps going and going and going and going like a flood keeps going. But actually the word of God is like that. It pursues us. It runs after us. It's not merely a book. It's not merely words. It's something that's alive. It runs after you. It doesn't give up on you. It chases you. It runs after you. It, it, it continues to speak to you and take hold of you. It's not just a book with words in. It's like a living book. And it's difficult to get our head around things like that, but it, but it pursues you. It pursues your life and says, no, no, we're going to change your life. We're going to transform you. We're going to speak life to you. See, the Bible encourages me. The Bible instructs me. The Bible exposes my life and convicts me. And to be honest, that's why sometimes I don't want to come to it. Okay, I don't always want to know the things in my life that need to change. I'm, probably, I'm definitely not the only one. Okay, who wants to be told sometimes, this is where you're wrong? This is where sin has taken hold. This is what needs to change in real life. We want to shy away from those sort of things sometimes. And so sometimes we're reluctant to really get into the Word unless it challenges me. Unless it shines a light on my life and says, but your life's not in line with the Lord. Because you know that when you read it, then you know, you think, no, I need to change. It says the Bible exposes to us our innermost desires. And so sometimes we're a bit reluctant to come to it properly because we think, well, no, I don't want to have to face that. And yet those sort of things are good for us to be convicted of sin and to be changed and to repent and to know forgiveness and to be set free is the best news in the world. 
The Bible guides me. The Bible tells me about who God is. The Bible tells me who I am in light of who God is. It speaks into my life and situations in a very now, present moment. So you think, oh yes, it's written thousands of years ago. And yet the ability for me to open it and read it and for me to speak into the thing that I am facing today is amazing. Relevant as ever. The Bible gives me hope. The Bible, sometimes when I read it, moves me to tears and breaks me inside. It shows me that God is in control. It moves me to worship and to joy and to thankfulness. The Bible humbles me. I am someone who God has to humble regularly um, because I'm just an arrogant man and God's done a lot of work in me humbling me but there's still more to go and again and again and again you come to the Bible and it just humbles you and it just puts you in your place in entirely the right way and you're so thankful for it the Bible shows me that God loves to work through broken and flawed people the amount of people God used there's some real idiots in the Bible and that gives me hope because I know what I'm like And if God can use them, God can use me. And with the best we're in the world, God can use you as well. It gives me a glimpse of how glorious and how awesome God is. It tells me the truth. And it speaks of hope and love for the broken world around us. And more and more and more. The Bible keeps speaking to me. It's a living book that changes lives. It's a beautiful gift to us that we should never take for granted. I mean, we all hear about it, but this year I got to go and be in a conference in Thailand and meet Christians from countries whom you can't have this book. And if you do, you go to prison or worse. People who, who don't have access to the Bible, which is crazy because I've probably got 20 sitting around at home. Just collected over the years. We think, well, I just, you know, I can just download every version I want to download just on my phone, and to meet people who are just like, yeah, we're just not allowed the Bible, and to have one is prison, is just a completely different understanding. And so I, I want to cherish this book. I think this is a gift to us that we should never take for granted, but always be thankful for. It's the word of God, the word of a God who has made himself known to his creation. And so this book is a precious book. Not to be treated lightly, not to be treated in a way that says, I just want to look what's in here and make sure it says what I want it to say. Maybe we've all done that. I believe this, and so let me find the bit in the Bible that's going to stand behind what I believe, rather than let me bring myself to the Bible and let it teach me so that I have to come in line with it. We don't want to, we don't want to hold it in the wrong way. It's precious to us. And it seems crazy to think that it would be possible that we would lay the Bible and the Word of God to one side. I mean, it's the Bible. It seems crazy to think we would do that. And yet, as we increasingly move in spiritual gifts, this is what's going to happen in revival. We're going to see the spiritual gifts at work amongst us. It's going to be beautiful. 
As we increasingly hear the prophetic gift grow among us, as increasingly we see signs and wonders and amazing healings and all sorts of crazy things that are going to blow our minds. As increasingly we push into spirit-filled worship, which just lifts us and takes us away almost to another place. The question I want to ask is, are we increasingly growing in our passion for and obedience to the Bible? I wonder how easy it is to subtly let the word of God fall to one side and become an add-on to all these other things. When I was, um, so I got to go to um, Cambodia earlier this year and um, just meet some amazing people. um, You can Google the history yourself, but Cambodia went through a massive genocide in the 1970s and at the end of that, there were four Christian pastors left in the country. Um, everyone else either fled or been killed. And um, I met one of these guys when I was in Cambodia. And, you know, when you, there's some Christians you meet that you feel slightly inadequate about yourself when you meet them because this guy survived genocide and all that sort of stuff. And I, I met this guy and he was an amazing guy. Um, and he uh, was one of the spiritual fathers, I guess, in the country, responsible for many churches. And yet a few years ago, he was part of a group of, of churches and, and somehow he came into contact with, with a Korean group of churches and um, they kind of said to him, said, well, we, you know, we don't, we don't do the Bible anymore. We're all about the now prophetic word of God. And, and for some reason he was taken with this and he kind of went with them and left the group he was part of and really felt to go for that. The now prophetic word of God. And, and not many years later, he came back to the group he was part of in tears, asking for forgiveness and said, I've, just, I've been such a fool, and my churches have just collapsed. So you take the word of God away. No, no, now we're all about the now prophetic word of God. We're all about signs and wonders. We're all about um, seeing people here. We're all about what's going on now. We don't, we don't need this anymore. You take this away, he comes back a few years later. All my churches, they're just falling apart. I've been such a fool. I remember um, a few years ago, I uh, was doing some leadership training because I have done a little bit of training to be a leader. Um, and we used to gather kind of younger leaders and we used to get taught by some older guys. And there's a guy called Arnold Bell, who most of you won't know who he is, but within the New Frontier circles, he was a bit of a living legend. And he would teach us, and constantly as a young group of leaders, we want to question him about the the now things of today. And what do you think about what this leader's saying? And what do you think about the direction this is going? And his answer all the time to us was, it's a very interesting question. Why don't we open the Bible and see what that says to us? Again and again and again. And we just want his opinion. We want just to stir up some sort of, you know, what do you think about this, Arnold? And his constant answer would be, it's a great question. Let's see what the Bible says to us. And I learned something really valuable with that, I guess, is that a million other things can be going on and they're all really good, but you can't get away from this as well. Take the Bible out. You may have something flashy, you may have something great, but it won't last very long before it falls apart. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 to 5. Another well-known verse about the Bible says, I solemnly urge you, 
in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favourable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given to you. See, we are passionately believing God for his promise of revival. I don't really know what that looks like, but we are looking to respond to it. We're looking to bring ourselves in line with it. We're looking to pursue it with our whole hearts. We're trying to learn how to be obedient as we take steps into revival living. But if revival isn't solidly biblically based, then we should run a mile. If revival isn't solidly based on this, then I don't want any part of it whatsoever. Movements not rooted in obedience to the word of God is how you end up with cults. It's how you end up with all sorts of crazy stuff. Starts out very good. Starts out very exciting. Starts out doing all sorts of wonderful things. But not far down the line, it goes off into crazy town. If it's not based solidly and biblically in the word of God. you end up with things full of abuse and oppression rather than freedom and transformation. You end up with things that produce great damage and harm rather than the life that only Jesus brings. That's not what we're about. We're about revival. And our revival is going to be solidly biblically based in the word of God. Revival contains many, many awesome and wonderful things. And one of them is an invitation to go deeper in reading, studying, and obeying the word of God as the Holy Spirit awakens in us a fresh hunger and love for the Bible. And this is good news to us because, uh, I'm, I'm just being honest, sometimes I read the Bible and I think, what on earth does that mean? Sometimes I read the Bible and it offends me. Sometimes I read the Bible and I think, I don't understand how that can be right. Okay, the Bible's not always easy. The Bible's hard work. You have to wrestle sometimes with it. But the great news for us is that we don't have to read the Bible alone. That the Holy Spirit has been sent to us to help us read the Word of God. Jesus said it himself in John 14 and verse 26 when he's busy telling his disciples, Look, I'm leaving, but don't worry, that's better because I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you to help you. And he then said this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. You see, the awesome news is I don't just have to read this in my own strength. I mean, I'm not a theologian. There are things in this I find difficult. And... It is right to study and all that sort of stuff. But I don't have to read. This is, to read the Bible is a spiritual act. Full of the Holy Spirit. And we can invite him every single time we open this. Holy Spirit, please help me. 
As I, as I read this word, please help me. Please help me to understand. Please speak to me. Please open my mind. Please open my heart so that this word might instruct me and change me and guide me. Holy Spirit's been sent to help us in all sorts of ways, and one of those ways is as we open the word of God. To stir us in hunger, not just to read the Bible, but to be obedient to the word of God. Now, I am all for these plans that get you to read the Bible in a year. You know, if you've done that or you're doing that, God bless you. I'm all for that, if that's who you are. But if it doesn't transform your lives, actually, in the end, who cares? If you can get to the end of it and say, I've done it, I've achieved it, I've read the Bible in the year, and nothing's different, who cares? Who cares that you've read it in a year? Who cares that you've read it cover to cover? If it hasn't transformed you, who cares? So what? We're not after just head knowledge. We're about transformed hearts that produce transformed living. That's why, you know, if you're the sort of person who can read it in a year and it changes your life, you go for it. If you're the sort of person who will spend a whole month on just a verse because it's pulling your life apart and putting it back together, you go for it that way. There's no right or wrong way to do it. The measure is, is it producing fruit in your life? Is it transforming you? Is it making you more like Jesus? If it is, then you go for it. You see, this book, is, this book is designed to help me know God, not just know about God. I don't just want to know about God. God's made it so I can know him. And he's given me the Bible to help me with that. And we aren't just to approach the Bible looking for it to support how we want to live. Rather, I want to bring my life in line with the words no matter how challenging and costly that might be. If you read the Bible long enough, it will offend you. And if you read the Bible long enough, it will shine a light on your life and challenge you. There's a cost to following Jesus. There's a cost to being obedient. It's not easy. It means that I don't just get to do what I want to do. It means that my life comes in submission to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And the Bible's going to shine a light on my life for that. And so what I'm looking to do is to read the Bible and think, how can I bring my life in line with what this is telling me? Rather than, I believe this, let's find a verse that can uh, support that for me. James 1 verse 21 to 25 kind of just lays it out for us very clearly says, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it is the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. I mean, 
to read this and be obedient to it, my Bible just tells me, God will bless you for being obedient. God will bless you. It's not just I'm going to be obedient to this. As you do that, God's going to go, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your obedience. I'm going to bless your choice to bring your life in line with my word. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do you good. We sang that song, didn't we? Amazing grace. The Lord has promised good to me. As you do, I'm going to bless you. It's his promise. Psalm 1, verse 1 to 3. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. I want that to be my life. I want that psalm to be true of me. I want to not be found joining in with the mockers, which, by the way, I can do really, really easily. I want to be found in the words. I want to be found bearing fruit in each and every season. I want to be someone whose leaves never wither and who prospers in all they do. I want to be obedient and know the promises of God. I want to bring my life in line with this. Now, over the years, there are too many stories for me to think about where the Bible has challenged me face to face and I've been really cross about it. But I remember, I don't know, 23, 24 years ago, I hadn't been at this church very long. And I was at an evening meeting and um, Chris Hall, who many of you know, was preaching. I can't remember exactly the passage he's preaching on, but the gist of his passage was this as he's preaching it. It's not enough just to tolerate people. You've got to do good to them. And I remember just because I was a sort of person who was a Christian thought, you know, I, I don't join in with the people who look to do ill to people. I just tolerate people who I don't like. And that's okay. Well done me. You know, so I'm not like, you know, I'm not joining in with all the people doing harm. I'll tolerate the people that I don't like. Aren't I doing well? And that seemed like a perfectly reasonable position to me in my youth. And then he preached this Bible passage, this words, and just said it's not enough just to tolerate people. You've got to love people like Jesus loved people. And it was as though the word that night that was preached was specifically designed to me and hit me right in the heart. And I was so angry to be challenged by God because that's just what I'm like sometimes and really annoyed. And yet I knew as it was being preached, as the word was there before me, that I had no choice but to respond because it was there. The way you've chosen to live isn't okay. It's not enough just to tolerate people. You've got to love people as well. But loving people is really hard. And some people are just really difficult to love. Yeah, but, but Jesus did it and he wants you to do it as well. <sighs> but when the light is shone in your life, what are you going to do? I guess you could say no. But even then, deep down, you've already been convicted. <laughs> you know in the end, oh, I need to respond to this. 
See, in the end, we're not called just to be readers of the word, but we're called to be doers of the words. We are living witnesses of a living word. And because you've sat very patiently and very still, I'm going to get you to tell three people around you. And I want you to look them in the eye. And I want you to say to them, you are a living witness of a living word. And I want you to say it like you mean it and prophesy over the people around you. And I want you to do that now. And so if you're a visitor here today, um, this might just seem a bit weird and you're free not to do it. But I'd say, have a go. What's the worst that could happen? Speak truth to one another and see how God will bless you. So do that and then we'll continue in our preach. If you moved on and you're saying other things, you misunderstood my instruction. You are a living witness. You are living witnesses to a living word. Look right at me. Give me your attention. Look right at me. Look me in the eye. That's difficult, I know, because I'm looking around, but look me in the eye. Look me in the face. You are living witnesses to a living word. Not you might be, not just on your good days, not just when you're nailing it for Jesus. You are living witnesses to a living word. That's difficult. That's challenging. Sometimes that's costly and sometimes that comes with sacrifice. But that's true. The temptation I face that we, uh, I think that we face, both personally and corporately, is would we rather see the Bible change to fit the world we live in or the world we live in change to submit to the Bible? I don't know, I'm sure you're aware the Bible isn't always very popular in the world we live in. But 1 Peter 1, verses 23 and 25 says this. For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like the flower in the field. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. People come and go. Times come and go. Seasons come and go. Empires come and go. They're temporary. The word of the Lord remains forever. And so as often as we are faced with the temptation of, there are things in here that our world doesn't like very much. Maybe we need to put them to one side or maybe we need to explain them away. Actually, what needs to happen is this world we live in needs to bring itself in line with the word of God. Because long after you and I are gone and forgotten, the word of the Lord will remain forever. We don't compromise it in the world that we live in. And honestly, it would be easier if we could just get rid of the bits of the Bible that clash with our supposedly modern and enlightened world. It would just be easier, wouldn't it? There's some bits in here that are difficult. It just would be easier if we didn't say that. But if we do that, then what are we left with? If we just remove or ignore the bits of the Bible we find difficult or that offends the world we live in, how can we ever stand on the Bible as any foundation? If we just take away the bits that are difficult or take away the bits that people don't like, what sort of foundation are you left with? 
It's right that we study the Bible. It's right that we understand culture and context and how it relates so that we can share the Bible in appropriate ways and in the age we live in. But ultimately, the Bible is offensive to a sin-sick world. And there's no getting around that. And we are living witnesses to a living word in a broken and sin-sick world. And whilst we ourselves aren't called to be offensive, the word that we carry will bring life to some and offence to others. It's not our job to try and tame the Bible. It's not our job to make it less offensive. It's not our job to try and make it fit in with the ways of today. That just leads to consumerism. And the church is full of consumerism. The church is full of, let me give you a Christianity that makes you comfortable, that is easy for you, and that doesn't cost anything or cost any sacrifice. What sort of Christianity is that? Following Jesus costs. Following Jesus is recognising somebody else as Lord. Following Jesus isn't always a comfortable place to be in. We we do no one any service when we make the Bible comfortable for people, when we make being a Christian comfortable, when we cater to their needs rather than show them how Jesus is better than this world that they live in. We're called to share the life-transforming word of God with love, compassion and confidence. That's the great commission in the end, isn't it, in Matthew 28? 18 to 20, Jesus came and told the disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go, make disciples of all the nations, baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The prophetic word to us is one of revival. People who don't know Jesus accepting Jesus into their lives. Signs and wonders happening. Lives turned around. Our streets, schools and neighbourhoods here in Bedford transformed by the presence of God. Awesome spirit-filled worship which just wrecks us for anything else. A deep conviction of and repentance of sin. You know, I've run out of time but If you go on the BBC website today, there's a story on there uh, about the longest plane hijacking in the world ever. And it's coming around to an anniversary. And if you read through right to the end, what you find is a man, a man who's about to commit a horrible act. And he befriended someone who started talking to him about the Bible and just literally read the Bible to him. And this man who was about to go and do something terrible ended up becoming a Christian. Uh, and it's just on, it's on the BBC website today. Just I was looking through and just there, it's just a random article. But at the end of it, you find someone read the Bible to this guy. Just read passages in the Bible. It just changed his life and transformed him. It convicted him of sin. And he became a man of repentance. And right at the heart of a seasonal revival is an invitation to go deeper in reading studying and obeying the word of God as the Holy Spirit awakens fresh love and hunger for the Bible. Let me finish with this. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, 
teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does that look like for you? How will you respond to that invitation? The invitation to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What practical steps will you take after today when I send you away to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Because you see, if I've preached all this, whether it's been any good or not, doesn't really matter. But if you go away and nothing changes, so what? What are you going to go away and do? Because I know, I know we've also got more to go. <laughs> and getting into the word of God. We've all still got further to go and let it shape our lives and let him speak to us through here and bringing our lives in line and making it a firm foundation for ourselves. We've all got more to do. Um, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to go away and do when we're finished here today? And so here's my suggestion to you, and you're free to do something different. Pick a gospel. Any gospel, there's four, as long as there are the four in the Bible. Pick a gospel. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Sit down with a pen and paper. Read the gospel. And jot down whatever God says to you as you read it. You can do that in one long sitting. You can do that in broken up sittings. It doesn't matter whatever works for you. But commit to doing it in this week ahead. When you read what you think God said to you from that gospel, then pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help you be obedient, to be obedient to what it says and what he's, what he's said to you through it. What do I need to change to be obedient to what you've said to me? And then once you've done that, then I would say to you this, share what he has said to you with at least one other person. Partly because we make ourselves accountable that way, but partly also that it encourages somebody else. I've read the Bible this week and God said this to me. You should do that too. I mean, go away and do this. Go away and do something else. But go away and do something. This is an invitation for us in this season to fall in love with the word of God like never before. Why don't we stand? I need to finish. Children need to be collected. And so I just want to pray. I'm going to, I'm, let me give you this invitation, and there's not very long, so we all need to love our Bibles more. We know we do. That's just a given for everybody. None of us has nailed it completely yet. And yet for some of us in particular, some of us are doing really well, but some of us in particular know, man, I need to fall in love with the Bible again, or maybe for the first time. And that's, just, that's just where we're at. Other of us know that we've read the Bible and, and actually it spoke to us that rather than being obedient to it, we thought, I don't want to see that, and we shut it. And so what we're actually doing now is we're living in disobedience to the word of God that's been spoken to us. And so some of us just need to repent. And so I, I'm going to, because I'm on this whole kick about being 
not passive at being active at the minute. If you're either of those things, I'm going to invite you to come to the front before I pray. And you need to do this straight away because there are children's workers I can hear whose eyes are looking at a watch, thinking, when's he going to come? And so if you just know you need to fall in love with the Bible, or if you just know that you're being, you know you're being actively disobedient to the word of God at the minute because he's spoken to you and you're ignoring it, I'm going to say, just come to the front before we pray. Because we've got to learn to be active and not passive. And if you don't want to come, that's fine. I just, but there's a front-footedness that I'm not very good and we're not very good at being on that often requires we need to respond. I'm just going to pray. There's nothing fancy about this. Just where you are, you know what you need to deal with with the Lord. That's up to you. I'm just going to pray. And so Holy Spirit, I simply just pray this. You've been sent to help us. You've been sent to point us to Jesus. And I just pray now that you would come in power and that you would help us just love the word of God to us. Just that you would instill within us just a deep, deep love that opens our eyes to see the word in a new way. Something about it that just begins to stir our heart in a way that that's just there's something about it that we love. There's something about it that I just need more of. There's something about it that we just know that as we read it, it feeds us and speaks to us and, and encourages us. And just we just know I just need more of it in our lives. And just I just pray for all of us, Holy Spirit, help us to fall in love with your word. Not just as in we love reading it, but that we love being obedient to it. That we love the way that it instructs us and guides us and changes us and transforms us. We love the way that it gets us out of trouble and leads us to Jesus and brings us to life. We love the way that it just gives us hope and joy. We love the way even that it challenges us and we have to wrestle with it. And we know, gosh, you're so much more than I am. We love how it puts us in our place and puts you in your place and how from that place we can worship you rightly as the one true God. And more and more, we just say, Holy Spirit, just now, just for all of us, just come. And just where you are, just receive from him. Just love, passion for the word of God. And for those of us here who know we're just being disobedient to the word of God, just now we just want to say we're sorry. Repentance is a beautiful thing. Nothing to be ashamed of. It's the way that God has made it so that we can receive forgiveness and be set free. And who doesn't want that? And so, Lord, we just want to say where we have dishonoured the word by not being obedient to it, where we have run away from it because you've spoken and we don't want to be obedient to it, we just want to say, Lord, thank you that you keep pursuing us and you never give up on us. Thank you that your word is something that runs after us again and again and again and will never let us go. And so just for whatever it might be, we just say, Lord, we are sorry. We want to turn away from the things that we know that we are doing wrong and not being obedient to you. And we just say, Lord, we choose to turn to you and say, would you help us take steps to be obedient to you? Would we honour you? Would we receive your forgiveness now, freedom, forgiveness from shame and guilt and all that sort of rubbish? We choose now to accept your forgiveness that sets us free to run hard after you in every way. And we say you're awesome. In Jesus' name, amen.